The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. It's going to be a day for discovery here on Media Noise as Jesse Karangu, one of our new columnists, and Garrett Sira, one of our new editors are the guests on today's show. They are coming up in just a bit. But first, I want to start by talking about a story that was not a sports media story, but the issue raised has everything to do with sports media and sports radio. Jane Lynch, the actress who you might know from, uh, gosh, Glee, from Role Models. She's now on Only Murders in the Building. She sent this tweet out earlier in the week, and boy, did it get people's dander up on Twitter. Quote, I love women. I am a woman. Our voices are higher than men's voices. Women's voices can get into the annoying area if it gets too high. If you're doing a podcast, consider lowering your pitch a tad. If you think I'm being sexist about this, then I don't know what to do with you. Now, is Jane Lynch's tweet sexist? Is it maybe a reaction to the things she's heard? I think it's more the latter than the former. And here's the thing. What I don't like about the tweet is that it completely dismisses the idea that some of the people that would complain about a woman's voice, like for our purposes, let's say on sports radio, would ever accept the woman regardless of what she does with her voice. Look, so many people, so many of us have worked with incredibly talented women. I have worked with incredibly talented women, both in the sports format and in other formats in radio. And the thing that I hear the most from listeners whenever, you know, I tell them, hey, I'm with Station X, um, is, oh, I don't like so-and-so's voice. And they name my female colleague. And when I ask them why, they can never really put their finger on it. And the reality is when someone says they don't like a woman's voice, It's that they don't like a woman's voice. They aren't specifically talking about, I'm just throwing out examples here. They aren't specifically talking about Sarah Spain on ESPN radio. They aren't specifically talking about Joy Taylor on Fox Sports Radio. They are never talking specifically about the woman whose voice they claim to not be able to stand. It's the presence of a female voice on sports radio. And so when I see a tweet like Jane Lynch, saying that, oh, you need to change your voice because you got to understand your voice is naturally annoying and blah, blah, blah. I would point to Chris Russo, who is going into the Radio Hall of Fame. He's now granted, I'm a Southerner, so the New York accent is not one that I'm exposed to every day, but like easily one of the worst voices I've ever heard. Petros Papadakis, easily one of the worst voices I've ever heard. Doesn't mean they're not really good at what they do. Doesn't mean if you do not deliver good content, people are not going to stick around. I will sit down all day long and hear people out if they say they do not like a female broadcaster because of her point of view, her content, whatever. If you can point to something concrete, let's have that conversation. If you're telling me it's her voice, I don't hear you talking about a specific person. I hear you talking about the generic idea that a woman is talking to you right now from a position of authority on sports. Is that true of everybody? Probably not. It's probably unfair for me to generalize in that way. But I think so many of our female colleagues have been generalized in some way or another, just dismissed because I don't want to hear a female voice on the radio, that I think we owe it to them 
to really take some complaints about them as a person and put them under a microscope a little bit and see if they make any sense. So while I don't think Jane Lynch is necessarily a bad person for tweeting out what she tweeted, I think it completely lets off the hook the idea that maybe some of your listeners just are not going to accept a woman talking to them from a place of uh, expertise on anything, particularly in the sports format. We have added a lot of new writers to the site lately. Jesse Karangu is one of them. Jesse, I've really enjoyed your thoughts on sports television. It is really clear that you have a passion for this industry, for this format and the things people are doing. And so I was really excited when you wrote something this week about NFL Plus, because honest to God, when the when the uh, product was first announced, my first thought, I swear to you, was who the hell is this for? And <laughs> it seems like from reading your piece, like maybe it's not for Jesse Karangu yet, but it could be. <laughs> totally agree. I think right now it's in its, you know, initial phase and it sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> like it, it's trash. Uh if you have $5 to waste, then go for it and you know, it it's it's a recession right now, so let me borrow that $5 <laughs> as well. But it it's terrible. Um I think it provides uh stuff and, and shows and 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 a product that you can already get elsewhere. You can already get it uh, if you subscribe to cable. You can authenticate your cable subscription with Fox Sports, or um, you can subscribe to Paramount Plus or subscribe to Peacock. And at least with Paramount Plus and with Peacock, you're getting a lot of different shows, a lot of different documentaries, a lot of access to other types of sports. With NFL Plus, you're just getting the NFL. Like, are you kidding me? For five dollars a month, we're in a recession. <laughs> Not, no. not only are you just getting the NFL, you're getting the game you can already see locally. It's not like you exactly. are getting uh, something exclusive. But, you know, here's the thing that I didn't think about is this isn't a replacement for you watching the NFL on TV. This is really a replacement for Game Pass more than anything else. And maybe that's why my initial reaction was, who the hell is this for? Because after I've watched a game, I don't need to go watch it again with 22 different camera views. So actually, I have a friend who works uh, for an NFL team and, you know, he's, uh, I guess you would say a scout. And uh, I know he's excited because he gets to watch Game Pass. He has access to the all 22 feed uh, of previous games that have happened. And uh, it's way cheaper. I think it was $100 uh, to get Game Pass last year. And now it's $100 a year. And now it's about $40 a year. So that's, yeah. that's a huge savings. But um, again, Wait a minute. The team wasn't providing that for him? I, I didn't go into the details. I didn't <laughs> All right. So he must work for the Bengals, the notoriously cheapest at FLT. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a huge savings plus. But again, he's a scout for a football team. So obviously it's great for him. Like for the average NFL fan, it makes absolutely no sense. It's, it's blasphemous, as our great friend Stephen A. Smith would say. And I just think it's a money grab. I mean, how much are tickets for an, an average NFL game today? Uh, you know, just even for the bleacher seats, you're probably I, we're for, talking over 50 per ticket, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, the least the NFL could do, I know they don't have to be a public service. I know they're not a nonprofit organization, but the least they could do is provide some value and some quality to this app or just don't release it at all. I, I'm sure there were still bidders that were willing to buy the mobile rights to this, these games. Uh, I just think this is a, even more of a money grab than it would be to sell the rights. 
what is the number one thing you wish they had done before this hit the market? Because you had like six suggestions of what they could do after the fact. Which one do you wish they had done immediately? And maybe we would be a little less hard than we're being on them right now. I, I think providing that all 22 feed, you know, live where you can see that live and see what uh, an NFL player is seeing, see what the coaches are looking at uh, after a game is finished. See, see what kind of film that the players are, are looking at, but in a live format, that would have been cool. Uh, seeing the players mic'd up and hearing what they say, you know, when, when you watch NFL, uh, excuse me, inside the NFL on Showtime, or I think now it's on Paramount Plus, or you watch these other behind the scenes football shows that happen, you know, you're seeing them after they've been produced and edited and gone through a cycle of uh, producers. Uh, I want to hear what the players are saying right here, right now, right then, you know. I, I want I want to be able to clip a, a, a play that just happened where a player and another player are cussing each other out <laughs> and, and, and being like, oh, did you see this? Like, I mean, one thing I wrote about to, uh, this week is that the NFL is now competing with Roblox. They're complete, competing with Fortnite. They're competing with Netflix. They're competing with so many other different things than what they were competing with uh, 10 years ago. And when you give fans those kind of behind the scenes clips that are different and unique and, and really expose the game to a new audience that may not even be interested in football, you're growing the love of the game. You're growing affinity to your product. And the NFL obviously loves money. That's what better way to make money than providing more access to fans. I don't know if Garrett Seawright and I are the right guys to talk about the Radio Hall of Fame, but here we are anyway. Garrett, neither you nor I have ever lived in the city of New York. I, I got to say, I am not. I have no quarrel with Jeff Smullyan, um, Susan Waldman, or Chris Russo going into the Radio Hall of Fame. What I am surprised by is just a few years after Francesa went in as well, like, at what point does the Radio Hall of Fame just acknowledge the national influence that WFAN had on the entire industry? That's a great question, because it's a question that probably should have been asked by somebody more important than, than you or I <laughs> the, 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 at some point, you know, like where does the trailblazer category come into play and go, right. okay, where do we look at the just overall influence that this one specific station really truly has had in revolutionizing the radio industry. And, and I think it's an undeniable question, really. So you asked me uh, via t uh, text the other day, if it was possible, if Russo is in as a solo act, Francesa went in as a solo act in 2018, can they both get in again as Mike and the Mad Dog? There are shows that are inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. I mean, if anybody deserves the, is it, is it, um, is it George Harrison that I believe is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a solo artist, as a Beatle, and as a member of the Traveling Wilburys? Like, yeah. it's Mike and the Mad Dog, right? Yeah, I would think uh, one. I thought, okay, one. Do you do you put Mike and the Mad Dog in in the Radio Hall of Fame maybe before Mike Francesa and Chris Russo individually? I mean, that's the shocker to me more than any. And you you should also like kind of um, anticipate maybe the the egos of everybody involved of like, hey, how, why was he in four years before <laughs> I was, <laughs> right. etc. But but yeah, I I think if you're going to include shows in the radio hall of fame, isn't it a glaring omission to not have Mike and the mad dog in there, even though you've already individually inducted them. 
Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you completely. Like when you look at some of the shows that are in there, they're all like, you know, the 50s radio theater kind of shows. But certainly, you know, there are there are definitely dudes that were shows unto themselves, right? Howard Stern is a show unto himself. Right. Rush Limbaugh is a show unto himself. I think it is fair that Francesa and Russo are both in individually. But that doesn't pay tribute to what the legacy of Mike and the Mad Dog is. And I'm saying this, by the way, as somebody that will acknowledge, like, I I'm never going to tell you it's a terrible show. I will just tell you it wasn't my thing. I absolutely recognize the influence it had, though, and would shout from the rooftops that if there was ever a sports radio show that deserved to be in the Radio Hall of Fame, this is the one. Uh, I'm right there with you, one that, like, uh, I, I'm, I'm, for instance, I'm not a golf guy. Uh, yeah. Not, not my thing, but if that's your bag, cool. Like, great. I, it's just not for me. Mike and the mad dog. Not for me, <laughs> but you're right in that you can't help, but recognize the influence one. There are, there are news talk radio shows that. Yeah. Are, are essentially news talk versions of Mike and the Mad Dog. Like, <laughs> right. it, 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 you know, people talk about the NFL being a copycat league. Radio is often a, a copycat industry where they, they've transcended sports talk and get, get into news talk, get into music talk where you have one straight serious person and then the wacky zany screamer. Um, I, 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 I think you're right in that if anybody deserves that honor in sports radio to go in as a show, it probably is Mike and the Mad Dog. All right, let's put the let's put that show on the shelf for a second. It seems like the Radio Hall of Fame in the last few years has really been making up for the lack of sports radio in there. I mean, we had Francesa in 18. Uh, this year, we'll get Russo and Waldman. Last year, we had Dan Patrick. The year before that, we had Jim Rome. Who is the next obvious one to go in? I mean, again, let's put Mike and the Mad Dog on the shelf for a second. Are we saying it's too soon for Colin Cowherd? Because that seems like the answer to me. So I was going to say, I think there's two options. I think Colin Cowherd is probably option number one. And I would guess that there are people who would say, you know, oh, that guy's got, and I, I think he would probably disagree with this. Maybe uh, that guy's got another 20 years of radio left. Sure. Him. He might say i've sure, got another but, three and a half years for it but even here. when even when people who will publicly acknowledge and i'm talking about not listeners i'm talking about other radio people will publicly acknowledge that they may not like you but you are the best to ever do it at right. that point you are undeniable right and i, I think colin is at that point yeah I, I i think so and i i think you're right in using the word undeniable it, it is undeniable i think the other option on the flip side of that is Mike Golick option number two. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a good, it's a good one. That's a good one. Are Mike and Mike in the radio hall of fame? See, I, I was going to say if, if they're not, does the radio hall of fame learn from <laughs> Mike and the mad dog and put Mike. And I don't know if you put Mike and Mike in the radio hall of fame, or if you put Mike Greenberg and Mike Golick individually in the hall of fame together Mike, in this Mike year. and Mike is in the NAB broadcasting hall of fame. They are not in the radio hall of fame. I, I think it would make an awful lot of sense potentially to put the two of them together and, and, and maybe Golick has to wait longer. Is, is Mike Greenberg a radio hall of famer right now? 
I think if you're talking about that show, God, that's so tough. Like, because it was Mike and Mike, right? Right, right. I, I think they'd have to go in together. I really I, do. Yeah, I, I think it makes all of, all of the sense in the world to put them in together. Um, because was Mike Golick going to be a Hall of Famer if he stayed with Tony Bruno for 20 years? I don't know. Is Mike Golick or is Mike Greenberg a Radio Hall of Famer if he's not paired with Mike Golick for 20 years? I think undeniably the two of them together made really great Hall of Fame quality radio. A huge thank you to Jesse and to Garrett for joining me this week. Check out their work on the site. Check out all the new folks at the site. We are growing and growing here at Barrett Sports Media, and we are happy to have you along for the ride. Talk to you next week. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. And check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.